Welcome to Crescent City Crime, dear listeners. I'm Tracy. And I'm Brian. And welcome to everybody who is new. And to those who have been listening to us previously, welcome back. Welcome back. And let's see. We always appreciate it if you would give us a follow on our social medias. TikTok is at TBSmith68. Instagram is CCC NOLA Podcast. And our YouTube channel is Crescent City Crime, and I will link all those things in the show notes. Make sure that you tell your friends, and most importantly, tell your enemies, especially your enemies. Yes. And if you would leave us a five-star rating and review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to us on, we greatly appreciate that. And if you are not subscribed to us, on any platform why aren't you because we are everywhere and absolutely free that's right cost zero dollars to subscribe so in the history of this country brian we've had a share of colorful politicians have we not oh of course yes Yes. Mm -hmm. but one of my favorite politicians who I actually think was a good person, even though he was a criminal, was our very own former governor, Edwin Edwards. Yeah, Edwin W. Edwards. Edwin W. Edwards. Edwin Washington Edwards, as a matter of fact. Yeah, E.W.E. <laughs> was one of his nicknames uh, across Louisiana, especially in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Yeah, like oftentimes... Like members of uh, legislators on committees in Baton Rouge would simply refer to him as EWE. Ah. Well, on August the 7th of 1927, Edwin Washington Edwards came into the world. And if you talk to Louisiana residents of a certain age about him, you will get opinions that will differ. However, no matter what someone's opinion may be, he is regarded as the most legendary politician in Louisiana history, or one of them anyway. Edwin, Edwin Edwards' ancestors were amongst early Louisiana colonists from France who eventually settled in a Voiles parish referred to as the original French Creoles. He grew up in a bilingual household, and he was fluent in French. He had originally wanted to be a preacher, you believe that? Yeah, for a period of time he was. Yeah, and he did. He preached at the Marksville Church of the Nazarene, and he served in the United States Navy Air Corps near the end of World War II. After his return from the military, he attended Louisiana State University Law Center and earned his law degree. He started to practice law at Acadia Parish in 1949 after learning that there was a lack of French-speaking attorneys in the community. So even from the start, we see him as a person with a big heart. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Cajuns tend to be very community-oriented. Very true. Very early on in his career, he learned that to curry favor with, he learned how to curry favor with the media. This was a skill that he learned quickly and he learned how to do it well. 
He made friends with reporters and editors, and in return, he would help bring attention to issues that the reporters would discuss with him. So a little bit of uh, quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. That's it. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah, in a good way. I would think. I would think so, too. His first political race was the Crowley City Council in 1954. He served on the council until 1964 when he ran for Louisiana State Senate. He defeated his opponent in an upset, after, and then after serving in the state senate for less than two years, he was elected to the United States House of Representatives, Representatives for the 7th Congressional District, and he held this position from 1965 until 1972, so he's really working his way up from an attorney, then he was in on city council, then he was a state senator, and then he was a representative. So classic politician working his way up through the ranks. Yes, and in, in most states, becoming a U.S. senator is considered to be the, the best thing you can do short of becoming president of the United States. But for some reason, in the state of Louisiana, the governor's mansion is the most coveted political office in the state. It, it is. Uh, even senators uh, will attempt to run for governor at times. Yes, they, we've seen that happen. And we're likely, even though Senator Kennedy from our great state of Louisiana was recently reelected to the Senate. Unfortunately. Uh, he's heavily weighing a run for governor. Let's hope not. And... As a side note, that would be such irony for the the Democrat who's in the governor's mansion right now, John John Bell Edwards. Yes, same la- Edwards. Same last name, but, and also but also no relation. Right, also Cajun. Okay, uh, would would have to pick his successor because I believe that 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 is what happens. The governor. Appoint yeah. several places to the Senate, and I seriously doubt that John Bell Edwards would appoint another Republican. That's true. Well, yeah, that that would be an interesting backdoor to maybe get a little bit more diversity in Louisiana state politics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, of note, in 1970, Edwin Edwards was one of the few Southern co- congressmen to support the extension for five years of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, and that was huge for that time period. You know, this is a white man, a southern white man, advocating for voting rights during during the uh, Civil Rights era. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because essentially he was advocating for minorities. Yes. And... This is a person who's had so many political accomplishments, kind of like, in a way, kind of like President Kennedy, where there were so many accomplishments that you just need a very long time to read them all off and go through them. Kind of like that, except not as big of a career as a president. But here are some highlights from Edwin Edwards's career. 1971 campaign for governor. After he made it to the runoff in 1972, he taunted his opponent, David C. Treen, in the press. 
During his campaign, Edwards repeatedly insisted that Treen had no chance of victory, and he went on to remind everyone that Treen had never held a public office. He has run for office four times, and he's been defeated each time. He can't even generate enough enthusiasm in his home district where he is best known. Edwards was responsible for creating the first new Louisiana state constitution in over 50 years. He also reorganized the state government. The influence of those things are still around in our state politics today. He was an outspoken supporter of civil rights, and he appointed more men and women of color to high positions in his administration than anyone else who had held the position of governor in Louisiana. And he won his second his second uh, gubernatorial election in 1975 and he was involved with with ethics controversies almost from the start when questioned if he had received illegal campaign contributions he replied it was illegal for them to give but not for me to receive Uh, he also insisted that he saw no problem with in investing in a proposed New Orleans office building called One Edward Square, which is today known as One Shell Square, which is across from the, from the Louisiana Superdome in downtown New Orleans. He was known to take frequent gambling trips to Las Vegas as well. His commissioner, Charles Romer, was convicted of taking bribes and having connections with Mafia boss Carlos Marcello. 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 And Edwards managed to avoid direct implication in this case. But, you know, Vegas is a mafia town, and he did frequently make trips there. Who was paid for that and Why? <laughs> I mean, we will never know, but I think it is a safe bet, no pun intended, <laughs> that Edwards was indeed involved with something dirty there. Yes, it's it's very likely, yes. I, I don't think the state was paying for that. Uh, no. Someone someone else, you know, a, a good businessman. Good businessman, the best. Was, yes, was paying for that. Yes. <laughs> In exchange for certain services. Hmm. Well, during his first term, a disaffected former bodyguard named Clyde Vidrine made several high-profile accusations of corruption, including the sale of state agency posts, and the accusations were investigated by a grand jury, but the Edwards administration attacked Vadreen's credibility and the investigation stalled. So it also sounds like he had a, a, a bit of a way of protection there, huh? Yeah, yeah, he, he was he's all, he was always quite cunning, quite clever. Yes. Matching his quick wit. Vadreen published a tell-all book called Just Taken Orders and included salacious details of Edward's frequent gambling trips and his extramarital affairs. In December of 1986, Vadreen was murdered by the husband of a woman he was guarding who believed Vadreen was having an affair with his wife. 
And now that's something else. Yeah, not not particularly surprising. Yes. In 1976, a South Korean rice broker was under investigation for trying to bribe American legislatures on behalf of the South Korean government and for making millions of dollars in commission on American purchases of South Korean rice. It became known that Edwards and his wife at the time, Elaine Edwards, were given an envelope containing $10,000 in cash. Not an unusual thing for Edward Edwards. No. Uh, cash for Edward Edwards would come in a brown paper bag or... An envelope? Uh, yeah, various kinds of envelopes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I think Edward Edwards loved the brown paper bag because it would hold more cash. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the legends is that... Um, he would have poker games and he would tell the people he was playing poker with today, you're going to lose a million dollars. So they played poker, but I guess in the end, the real winner was Edwin Edwards, right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I believe playing in one of his poker games is considered a privilege. Probably was. So, yeah. Uh, it, it's not like you. And you had to bring cash. So you couldn't just bring pennies. Yes. And you'd wind up coughing up some of the cash for the privilege itself of playing. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, you weren't there to just lose money to Edwin Edwards. You were there to curry favor to make deals. Yes, you were. Gain, you know. Business opportunities. <laughs> Edwards always insisted that these gifts were given out of friendship and that there was never anything improper about it. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Of course, yeah. yeah. They just wanted to be his friend. <laughs> <laughs> we're friends like those who need enemies. <laughs> In the course of these controversies, Edwards stated that he thought it was super moralistic for the United States government to prohibit American businessmen to accept gifts from foreign officials in the course of their business dealings. The scandal also engulfed Edwards' former congressional colleague, Otto Passman of Monroe, who was later acquitted of all charges in the case. And we are going to pause here to take a quick break. So... The Louisiana State Constitution prevented Edwin Edwards from seeking a third term immediately for governor after his second. So in 1980, he left politics temporarily while making it clear that he would return. While he was taking a break from politics, his old opponent, David Treen, ran and won the governorship. And then Treen and Edwards ran against each other in the 1983 race. That's the race I remember very well. Yes. And I'll touch upon that a yes. little later. A little later. Yes. During the campaign, Treen focused his attention on Edwards's corruption. He said that, once again, Edwards saw fit to taunt him in the press. Edwards is quoted as saying that it's difficult for me to understand his popularity. <laughs> <laughs> Treen's commissioner of administration 
former legislature E.L. Bubba Henry told the Democratic State Central Committee that Edwards had created a smokescreen to divert attention from his own sweetheart deals for his political friends. Edwards once again joked with reporters and said of his opponent, the only way I can lose this election is if I'm caught in bed with either a dead girl or a live boy. You believe he said that? I absolutely do. It's just, I can't I, believe he's, it's so Yeah, funny. I mean, it's like if you, if you could just buy comedy alone. Yeah. Okay, if you had to pick a Louisiana politician who was the, who told the best jokes. It was him. Who was, who was, you know, a true comedian. It was, yes, it was Edwin Edwards. Well, he, Edwin Edwards also said of his opponent that David Treen is so slow it takes him an hour and a half to watch 60 Minutes. Oh, yes, I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> and during the debate in 1983, Treen asked Edwards, how come you talk out of both sides of your mouth? And Edwards instantly responded, so people like you with only half a brain can understand me. <laughs> <laughs> At the, same, at the same time, Stanley R. Tyner was the editor of the Shreveport Journal. He reported that Edwards does not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and does not personally expect to go to heaven. And, of course, this angered the conservative religious folks, but the comments did not stop Edwards from finishing his term. And it would be during his third term that his crimes would start to catch up with him. And we will be going over that in next week's episode when we continue, continue this discussion on Edwin Edwards. So, Brian, now is your moment. Tell us all about the 1983 campaign. Yeah, 1983. I was in the eighth grade. Uh, let's see. I believe I was in the eighth grade. Yeah. It wasn't the seventh grade, but one yeah, of I think, yeah, it was the seventh grade, yes. And so, so you're a middle schooler. Yeah, I was a middle I was a middle schooler. And I hadn't had a uh hadn't really had a job, a paying job just yet. Although I had, you know, but I was volunteering for the church fair every year at that point. And my aunt and my mom were both in state civil service. And through a connection my aunt made, now my aunt was a secretary for the, the head of revenue and taxation for the state of Louisiana, for the New Orleans office. And this, yeah, through her connections first, it was my aunt and my mother moonlighting in the evening time from 6 p.m. Well, let's see, it was uh, five, yeah, 5 p.m. until 9 o'clock every night. Okay. Okay. Weeknights, these Monday through Fridays for weeks, working at political phone bank for uh -huh. the Edwin Edwards campaign. And this was back when everybody had landlines and they just, everybody would answer the phone. Yes, yes, it was. 
it was done at this union hall, this union of operating engineers on Chapman Tour Highway. And they people were they were urged, okay, if you friends and family, if you want if you like to help them make some money, bring them in. And my sister and I both came in. My sister was in ninth grade at the time. And so we we were calling people, calling people up and asking them who they're going to vote for in the gubernatorial election. We're reading from a script. Right. And if they say that they're voting for Edward Edwards, I can remember the response was, uh, I think that's great. <laughs> and I would like to invite you to to a campaign rally. And then then what you do, you, what you immediately do is you you grab the envelope, you put the invitation in it, you write their address on it, and put it to the side so it can be stamped. Okay. So everyone who said they're voting for Edwards was, was sent an invitation for this upcoming political rally where Edwin Edwards did speak, and I was at the rally with my family. Uh, and, and this is 1983, and I'm getting paid, along with everyone else, $4 an hour. Uh, straight up four dollars an hour. That are there were no deductions taken out. Were you paid uh, in in envelopes of cash? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we were they, they were actually paying us by check. Wow! But the and the, but the checks were from the union itself. Oh, okay. Okay, so in a way that the, the, this this was kind of this kind of sort of under the table, mm -hmm. and that we were being paid to work for the labor union but these wages were not being reported to the state or the federal government so you they were just cutting us checks so so you were paid dirty under the table you, you could you could say that yes yeah. and on top of that we were getting uh, free lunch every day oh that's nice yeah it would be typically and they t they take orders at a certain point so you get a free cold canned drink and a po' boy sandwich. Yummy. Yeah. Most of the time I, I told them I wanted shrimp. shrimp Getting the shrimp. Boy, can't go wrong. Yeah. Can't go wrong with the shrimp po' boy. Yeah. Or a catfish po' boy. Yep. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, and they also had us work for another candidate at one point. Which one? Let's see. That's fine. I don't. I don't remember his name. I know his first name was uh, Sean. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. I don't remember the last name, but I remember the first name. And so it was. It was kind of fun, and it was technically my first job was working for the Edward Edwards campaign in 1983 uh, as a middle schooler. Yeah, under, under the table. Under the table. Yeah. Did you have to work uh, 40 hours a week? Let's see. It amounted to about 20, 20 hours a week. Well, that's not terribly bad. Yeah. No. And it, it was after school. Of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> I remember with, with, with the proceeds of my first check, I walked into, it was uh, Toys by Roy in the plaza. Mm. 
and I bought some Dungeons and Dragons figures. You nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought a General Electric uh, radio with a cassette with a cassette player. Cassettes? What are those? Yeah. <laughs> that that's what I'm imagining some people would ask. Yeah, I used it for I used it for years. I I used that cassette player all throughout high school. Oh yeah, like I remember when I got my first Walkman, and then of course, it wasn't long after that when the portable CD players were all the rage. Yeah. So. Although I still preferred the Walkman because I could still make my own mixtapes. Yeah, I had a Walkman in the Persian Gulf, Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Yeah. Yeah. That was a. A very, a very useful companion there. Now, so anyway, so, you know, we, last week I briefly touched upon how Edwin Edwards was considered to be, you know, a man of the people and a Robin Hood type, even though he was a, basically a crook. Um, and, you know, I was one of the beneficiaries, direct beneficiaries of that. Yes, you certainly yeah. were, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I experienced firsthand how he, you could say, touched people's lives directly and kind of helped them out. <laughs> well, yes, and I also think that a lot of the contributions that he made during his political career are always going to be around in some way or another, and... I would have to say that probably the most important thing that he did was that he beat a certain politician in his fourth governor's race. And again, that's something we will get into next week because Brian, I know you know who I'm talking about. Yes. yes. I've had a couple of encounters with this person. This douchebag. Yes. Yes. And I use, when I describe him as a person, I use that term loosely. Mm. Yeah, well, we, we, we will get there. We will get there. We will get there. But for now, we are going to start signing off because it is late at night and we need to get to bed. So everybody... We really hope that you are going to have a good holiday season, whatever that may mean to you. However it is you celebrate or who you celebrate with, try to enjoy yourselves these next couple of weeks, okay? And everybody, be safe, be kind. Remember that we're all human beings, and whatever you do, don't park next to vans. If it's dark, it's dangerous, and it does not feel safe, do not be there in the first place. And if you are talking to law enforcement in a professional capacity and you are not the victim or the witness to a crime, lawyer up. <laughs> <laughs>